Good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is the program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, they'll let programs designed just for someone like me. You know, there's a lot I don't understand. It doesn't necessarily have to be something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's in the back of my mind for a while. And I find that rather getting into a deep theological discussion, a casual front porch-style talk with a pastor's often the best way to understanding, that's what this program's all about. Today's guest is Craig D'Onofrio of St. James Lutheran Church in Cleveland, Ohio. I have my questions, and I'm sure you've got yours. You can send your questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org or call in during the program. That's in the St. Louis area. That's 314-821-0850. That includes Metro East or toll-free anywhere in North America at 1-800-730-2727. Well, Craig, I know it's not a tiki bar, but welcome to the front porch. (laughs) Thanks, Kip. Always good to be with you. Okay, Craig, why am I not hearing you? I don't know. Why are you not hearing me? Oh, there we go. Wait a minute here. Okay, okay. let's try that again. You're Can a little you bit soft in your end. Can you boost maybe a little bit? Uh, your... Hello? Hello? Is this thing on? Hello? Hello. There you hello. are. There you are. Yeah. There you're... I am. Okay, you're a little bit, as we call it, in the business, undermodulated, but uh, I, I can I adjust can to an extent from here. If you need. Uh, there. How's that? Is that better? That's a little bit better. There we go. A little boost. Okay. Yes. Oh, much better. Oh, now we've got that straight now. This is like a, another episode of The God Whisperers where uh, all sorts of technical issues arise every time we record. Yeah, but I don't have any sound effects. You guys did. Oh, I should bring that up. Ah. We might need some sound effects for this program. Well, yeah. <laughs> Gary's in the office right now screaming, no, don't do it. <laughs> Very likely. <laughs> Well, you know, something has been on my mind lately, and hence the name of the program and, and the intro, is, you know, Craig, for some reason, people seem to think that Lutherans lack a sense of humor. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I mean, after all, you know, uh, a priest, a uh, minister and a rabbi walk into a bar. Okay. <laughs> the end. <laughs> How many Lutherans does it take to change a light bulb? I, I was thinking about coming on and, uh, and and doing this very deadpan the whole program, speaking uh, kind of like, oh, what was his name? The uh, Jewish guy who was in the uh, Nixon cabinet. Ah, um, um, oh, gosh, driving me nuts. Doesn't Kissinger, have... Kissinger. Oh yes, and he spoke like this through the whole thing Ooh. all the time. And anyway, yeah, I met him once. You did? Yeah, it was kind of funny. It was my. Uh, it's when I was in grad school. Uh, Medill had what they call this uh, the summer session, where they were not a summer session, a Washington session, where they would take students and for a quarter would would put them into a bureau in Washington and where you both had class works and you worked for uh, and you, you worked uh, for stations around the country and I was there in, uh, in the uh, winter and fall of 76 which hmm. was a presidential election and one of the stations I was attached to was WJR in Detroit and it so happened that President Ford as you knew was a uh, Michigan resident and I was assigned to go to the White House and see if I could get anything at all from from uh, from the Ford or from the White House the president had just gone to vote and he was coming back on Marine One there was going to be a big ceremony on the South uh, South Lawn so I got my press credentials and I went into the uh, to the area 
And this was shortly after there had been two assassination attempts on, on President Ford. And the uh, Secret Service was in no mood to have the reporters anywhere near him. So there I am with a bunch of other reporters, probably no closer than 100 yards as, as uh, Marine One comes in. And there comes the president down the stairs. I remember being struck at, first of all, how tall he was and how blonde his hair was. And he walked in and, well, that was it. You know, he walked into the White House, and I couldn't do a darn thing. So I turn around and start walking back into the press center, and I'm going along the the, uh, street. I'm going along the walkway, minding my own business, not paying much attention, and I bump into this guy. And I say, oh, pardon me, Dr. Kissinger. (laughs) 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 I got a real quick interview out of it. The funny thing is, it turned out he hadn't voted. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, let me tell you my political claim to fame here, Kip. You know, I worked in politics before I went in the ministry. Yeah, uh, for the, California. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, that's a, that's humorous in and of itself. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, I was at the Reagan Ranch for a fundraiser, and Ronald Reagan was flying in. It was uh, I think nineteen eighty six or eighty seven, and uh, you know, here I am, a young man. And uh, they had this big tent set up at the ranch, and and we were there hours early helping to set up and everything. And Ronald Reagan's ranch was actually very small. Uh, I'd be surprised if it was more than 1,200 square feet. Of course, that's just my recollection. I might be bigger than what I'm thinking. And I had to use the restroom, and the outhouses were just being set up. And so I just marched right into the ranch house, and I used Ronald Reagan's toilet. Oh, my gosh. Yes, his own Personal toilet. Well, I have my claim to fame. I also have a Reagan story to to share with you. Uh, Back when Reagan was president, I was working for a station called KACY, which was down in uh, in uh, where were we? Oxnard, which is near Point Magoo, where the president would land. Yes. uh, And then they they motorcade on up to uh, up to Santa Barbara. Well, I was on duty one day when uh, the president's plane was coming in, and my news director had the day off. And he and I are always playing jokes on each other. And so I waited for the president landed, and I called my news director at home. I think I probably woke him up. And I go, Brian, this is Kip. The president's plane just bellied in at Point Magoo. And Brian goes, oh, my God, oh, my God, have we got on the air yet? Said, no, no, I haven't done anything on it. Oh, oh we got to get covered. Are you kidding me? Yes, I am. Well, here's how we're going to handle this. <laughs> <laughs> there was a dead silence for a second. <laughs> Point Magoo, I always think of the Southern California, growing up in Southern California, yeah. you had the surf report. Oh, yeah. that, that was always, you know, on the news every morning was where the waves are breaking. And and Point Magoo was always on the list oh, of, yeah. of uh, surf spots. And so anytime someone says Point Magoo, I always think of listening to the radio and hearing the surf report. Well, you know, that was also where the uh, the big naval weapons test center was. And also when I was there, we had a <laughs> it was kind of a, an interesting thing. The, a Japanese warship was pulling in uh, for some weapons training. And this was the first time since before World War II that a Japanese ship had made a port of call in the United States. And the Japanese were very, very uh, sensitive about it. And so what they did was they combed their navy for English-speaking sailors. So they they, (laughs) they pulled in, 
And the captain of the uh, the Japanese ships comes out, and he's been to be greeted by the local officials, which consisted of Mayor Sujo Kato, Assemblyman Assemblyman Takasugi, and Naval Commander Gordon Nakamura. <laughs> so they rolled out all the Japanese contingency for the meet and greet. Story right there, they were all they were all bilingual, and they, they caught the Japanese completely by surprise. Not but, expecting that. No, 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 no. But that's part of the great thing of living in America. You, you, it is. You are a citizen of one country, and yet we have so many peoples from so many places and so many languages. Oh yeah. Uh, and as a, as a big fat tub of goo i really appreciate it because there's always something interesting to eat hmm. so there's yeah. there's always that there is that you know my mother <laughs> uh my mother was raised bilingually her you know her family was german and it was it was amusing when she and her sisters would get back together and they would start talking and they'd lapse back and forth between english and german in, oh, yeah. in mid-sentence and wouldn't even be aware that they'd done it you, you know my grandparents on my dad's side came from italy and uh, they came to America and they said, we are Americans, we speak English. And they slaughtered it for the next 70 or 80 years. They just <laughs> killed the language. It was, it, uh, it was hard to tell what they were saying. My grandma, I remember one day we were out visiting on a Sunday afternoon for dinner. And, of course, she'd make food for 800 when there's like 12 of us. Yeah, Italians do that. And, and she looks at me and she says, have a piece of the pizza. And I'm, what? Have a piece of the pizza. Dad, I don't know what she's saying to me. Have a piece of a pizza. I don't know what you're saying, Grandma. Have a piece of pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear me. (laughs) Piece of a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there are war stories, but... But, you know, the reason I wanted to talk about humor uh, is... The one thing that distinguishes us from the animals over and above the fact that we have souls is that we also have a sense of humor. Yes. Why did God give this to us? You know, this is something that is part of separating us from the animals. This is, I I believe that this is part of uh, being made in the image of God. I think God has a sense of humor. I mean, look at the platypus, you know, look look at so many different (laughs) things. Like the I, avocado, I he made the see... seed too big. I'm sorry? Like the avocado, he made the seed too big. <laughs> right, right. Um, you know, I, I can't help but to believe that Jesus on occasion does things in in the Gospels, little tongue-in-cheek at times. Uh, one of the tellings of Jesus walking in the water, the guys are out in the ocean, you know, and they're, they're in their boat, and the, and the wind kicks up, and the seas are getting rough. And, of course, those boats weren't made for heavy seas. And uh, to, to the Jews, the place of the deep was always a place of terror anyway. And, and so when you see that in the Bible, that's, that's uh-oh, that's not good Jew territory there. We don't, we don't do deep very well here. And Jesus is out walking on the water because he stayed behind to pray. He said, you guys go on, I'll catch up. And they're out there not making very good headway, and they're thinking that the boat's about to be swamped, and they're freaking out. And the text says that Jesus intended to pass them by. And and I think that, you know, I just kind of imagine Jesus walking by, hey, guys, how's it going on the boat there, you know? And he just <laughs> he just passed, <laughs> just I'm just out for a walk. I'll see you guys at the destination, you know. And um, 
Come on. I mean, I, I think he, he has to be doing this a little tongue-in-cheek, knowing that these guys are just losing their minds. And, uh, you know, he knows what he's going to do. He's going to calm the water, calm the waters, calm the winds, and, and settle everything down. They're not in danger. He, he, you know, God is right there with them. They're safe in the hands of Christ. But I can't help but to think that he's like, hee, hee, hee. You know, and he does some of these things. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like the uh, the Bible story where, you know, after the resurrection, the disciples went, went out onto the, onto the Sea of Galilee and went fishing, couldn't catch a darn thing. Now they yeah. get in, and there's Jesus on the shore, and they're waiting you know, until he, he dries all the nets and everything's done, and then Jesus says, try the other side. Right, right, yeah. And then, of course, the boat starts to freak, you know, to swamp again. Once again, the place of the deep is a place of terror. So, uh, and then Peter, I love Peter. It's Jesus, and he just jumps in and swims for it. Is It's like he, he doesn't say hey guys let's let's row in as fast as we can or anything no it's like this just this impulsive impetuous jumping in the water you know and <laughs> you didn't have to do that pete you you could have just rowed in it would have been okay <laughs> well it's like that scene in forrest gump remember <laughs> yeah right yeah where lieutenant gump's coming dan. in on the shrimp boat and he sees lieutenant dan on the shore and he just jumps <laughs> off the boat <laughs> So exactly, I never made that connection. That's a good one. I, I have to remember that when I preach that text next time. That uh, you know that that Forrest Gump. Yeah, I mean that's, and, and I love Peter. I love him to death because I'm Peter. He's the extrovert who does things and then thinks later, and and so I get no end of entertainment out of Peter because he's so much like me in the stupid stuff that he does and says. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. And then I'm like, yeah, I think this is funny because I see myself in it. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just, just a way that it is. But, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty entertaining at times to, to read the Bible in a certain light. Is there a way that pastors and lay people can use humor to spread the gospel? I think so. You know, uh, Hans Feeney, I know he's he's been on your program, I think, in the past. Uh, he does uh, a thing called Lutheran satire. Oh, yes, 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 Pastor yes. Pastor Hans Feeney. And some of those are just stinking hilarious. And and so I think his his motto was something like uh, um, teaching the faith by making fun of things or something like that. And, <laughs> and I think that it, it's actually a very good way to present the faith uh, w with with a sense of irony and, and a sense of tongue in cheek, cheek, and you know you can't take it all so serious all the time. Uh, you just can't. Life is way too ridiculous to take serious all the time. If you take it serious all the time, you're just going to throw yourself off a cliff or something. I mean, you're going to end up like some sort of Swedish or Norwegian movie in black and white, and just you know through the whole thing, you're like, oh my gosh, this person just should should die and be done with it, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> So, you know, I think that there's 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 a time for everything. There's a time to be serious mm -hmm. and there's a time to smile. And uh, I'll tell you, Kip, you know, I, I I think that I'm funny. So that's all that really counts is as long as I'm laughing. That's <laughs> well, Ecclesiastes, you know, it says specifically there is a time, uh, you know, time to dance, a time to cry. Uh, you know. Right, right. 
Um, but when when you're when you're when you're coming to the Lord's table, I love Lutherans because when you're coming to the Lord's table, you are entering into the feast of the Lamb that has no end, a feast of eternal joy, and everybody looks so dour and glum. I've noticed this, and that it bothers is, this me. This is the feast. We should be happy. Loud. Yeah, and of course we want to be reverent. You know, we don't want to be irreverent, but. Oh my goodness, such sweet relief. I'm coming to the table of the Lord. I'm going to receive his grace and mercy for a broken sinner like me. Hallelujah. You know, um, this is the ultimate of how good it gets. And of course, you come and you're just glum and dire. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've gotten in trouble for waving to the little kids and, and uh, winking at them and, you know, kind of, kind of, wanting them to feel comfortable at the Lord's table, even when they're two, three years old. You know, I want them to know this is where you belong. This is a place of joy. This is not a place of sorrow and sadness and misery. I think that we're giving people the wrong message when we approach the Lord's table like that. That's a really good observation because, you know, I've seen that in churches. I remember when I was a kid, uh, going to church with my mother uh, was an ordeal. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I, I just, I, I didn't see any happiness in it. I didn't see any joy in it. No, uh, no. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that everyone feels that way or approaches it that way and, and that this is a a uh, universal problem. You know, there, there are people who come with joy and, and true sense of relief. You know, Luther had a tremendous sense of humor. Uh, he also had a very body sense of humor. Uh, if you, I'm not going to mention anything in particular, but if you uh, are feeling up to the task, go go read the Table Talk edition in Luther's work works, and uh, you'll find some very salty language and some very very interesting statements that he makes as he's sitting around the table with his friends and and just teaching and talking. Well, he told Melanthan to go sin boldly. Yeah, but he didn't just stop there. That's always a problem. Is go go sin boldly. Okay, yeah. So Luther thinks that sin isn't a problem. No, no, no. He follows that up with confess Christ even more boldly. Yeah. You know, believing confess Christ is greater than your sin. That's mm-hmm. that's basically what he's getting at there. But he's also throwing out that challenge. You cannot out sin the grace of Jesus Christ. His his grace is greater than all of your sin. Every sin from the beginning of your life to the very end of your life and all in between, God's grace is greater. And and when we focus on that, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, then we're taking our eyes off of ourselves. And then we can stop taking ourselves so darn serious all the time. And we can also find relief because, yes, you do keep sinning. You keep doing that same stupid thing over and over again. And you hate it. And you ask the Lord to take it from you. And you turn around and do it again a day later. And you, and you hate it. And you ask the Lord to, and you keep doing this. And God's grace is greater than all of that. And you are forgiven of all of that before you even do it. But that's not licensed to do it, because as Luther says, confess Christ more boldly. And when we do that, when we confess Christ, when we fix our eyes on him, the eyes of our hearts, the eyes of faith, then he's going to teach us to hate that sin. And then we can poke it with a stick and mock it. And that's always fun. Well, you know, one thing one thing that's always bothered me uh, about the confessions, you know, the church opens with that and we... 
we read the confession, uh, and there's a line, the line about, I am heartily sorry for them and sincerely repent of them. <laughs> and by yeah. golly, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be doing the same thing again. I, I it, laugh because I always say, I, there's a typo in there. I'm hardly sorry for my sin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're going to get in trouble for that one. <laughs> but, you know, it's like it's like with the Lord's Supper. You know, I'll go up and I'll have the bread, I'll have the wine, and I will have communed with the Lord our God. And I know that by the time I get back to the aisle, I will have sinned again. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's just the nature of the old Adam, that Romans 7 struggle that always, always comes back to haunt us. You know, the good that I want to do, I don't do. The evil that I hate, I keep doing that. What's wrong with me? I need a savior. Um, and, and so, um, you know, we are truly hardly sorry for our sins because we keep turning around and doing it again. Uh, Rod Rosenblatt um, has... He, he grew up in some sort of Scandinavian pietism in another Lutheran denomination. I don't know what it was. Uh, but he said that there was this uh, Scandinavian confession of sins that I really like. Uh, he's, it says something to the effect of, I confess my sins not as I ought, but um, as I can, or something to that effect. So, so even our confession of sin is feeble and weak and anemic. Uh, you know, I love in our Lutheran worship, I've sinned in thought, word, and deed by what I've done, what I've left undone. I don't love my neighbor. I don't love God. I live as though I'm the only one who counts. And, and it really does lay out that whole thing that there are sins that I do that I don't even realize that I'm doing. There are sins that I do uh, in not loving my neighbor, not caring for them as I ought, not because I've done anything to them, but I haven't loved them as I should. You know, I haven't cared for them. I haven't helped them. I haven't come to their aid as I should. And uh, so that really gets to the core of the problem there. And with the sweet relief of the gospel of absolution, of the Lord's Supper, of hearing of God's grace from the pulpit and the classroom and everything else, if you don't smile, I'm a little worried about you. You might need some medication. It's making me nervous. <laughs> well, I think you know th th this is where humor enters into it. We should be, we should be laughing about this. We should be happy. We should know that. It, th th you know, th th there's one old joke I had heard is you know the, the the true proof that love exists is that a mother loves her child instead of strangling it. <laughs> right. And that's the way God is with us. Yes. That's the yes. Absolutely the proof. I mean, he, he, he does. He loves us. God knows why. Because <laughs> we sure don't, and we don't deserve it. But he it's does. Almost, it's almost like too many of us get together to sing the Henry Kissinger version of I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. <laughs> I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. I've got some joy, joy, joy down in my heart. All right. Good. I feel better German than you do. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Craig, I want to take a little break here. Sure. we got a lot more to talk about, and I, th I think we got a little comedy thing here that you and I were talking about earlier that I think really highlights using comedy to help yeah. spread the word. And we're going to be right back after this.
Hi, I'm Gary Duncan, the general manager of Worldwide KFUO. We promote our various programs. We ask you to listen to your favorite show. We ask you to support our broadcast ministry, and we thank you for that support. But maybe we don't ask you to pray for us as much as we should. Please pray for the staff, management, radio hosts, and volunteers here at Worldwide KFUO. Pray that the message of salvation through Christ is heard clearly by listeners around the world. Pray that we continue to reach into those areas that are hostile to the Word of God. Pray that KFUO continues to reach those people desperately needing to hear the good news message. And pray that God continues to bless us financially through the gifts we need to continue our broadcast ministry. Thank you for listening, supporting, and praying for Worldwide KFUO. You truly are appreciated. We are the messenger of good news. AM850 in St. Louis, worldwide at kfuo.org. The Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. I want my teenage son to be thinking how to deal with life's stresses and natural changes. I want to know how to talk to him about things he'll experience as he builds relationships. I want him to know I'm there for him. I just don't know how. Here is a resource that can get you started. Connect With Me activity cards have been developed to help begin the discussions. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and other resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. The Hallelujah Chorus from George Friedrich Handel's Messiah is one of the most famous pieces of music ever written. Handel began composing on August 22nd and in just 24 days completed the entire 259-page manuscript on September 14th. 1741 performed for the first time in Dublin on April 13, 1742. Handel's Messiah was unorthodox for its time with its lack of strong plot and no dramatic confrontations between leading characters. The libretto written by Charles Jennings included over 60 verses from 14 books of the Bible which quoted Isaiah most often. The first part emphasizes the birth of Jesus, the second, Jesus' death and resurrection, concluding with the majestic Hallelujah Chorus, and the third, the resurrection of the dead. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Well, welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in, and today's pastor is Craig D'Onofrio from St. James. Is it St. James or St. John? I got that wrong. St. James. St. James, thank you. I should know that because that's also the name of my church, St. James Lutheran Church in Cleveland. Now, is, is yours named for St. James the Elder or St. James the Brother of Christ? You had you to ask me that, know. didn't you? Yeah. Better ask Pastor Lawrence about that. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> I hadn't really thought of that. Oh, well. <laughs> well, we are discussing ways on using humor to help spread the gospel. And you know, there's a guy, uh, I think he's an Australian, followed by the name of uh, J. John. He is a pastor. And... Uh, he explains, I think, in a very, very good way, how to use humor to, to 
help spread the gospel. And he does this, this little routine. It's on uh, it's on Facebook called How to Explain What You Do When You're a Pastor. And I'm going to play this now, and we'll see how it goes. People often say to me, like, John, you know, what, what do you do? And it's always very difficult to know what to say. Because if I say to you that I'm a reverend, which I am, that conjures up certain images in people's minds as to what I might be. So I like to be a little bit creative in telling people what I do. I sat next to this lady on an aeroplane at Heathrow Airport, and I said, hello. And she said, well, hello. And I said, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to Singapore. Then she said to me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Australia. I said, what do you do? So she told me. Then she said, what do you do? And I said, well... <laughs> I work for a global enterprise. She said, do you? I said, yes, I do. I said, we've got outlets in nearly every country of the world. She said, have you? I said, yes, we have. I said, we've got hospitals and hospices and homeless shelters. I said, we do marriage work. We've got orphanages. We've got feeding programs, educational programs. I said, we do all sorts of justice and reconciliation things. I said, basically, we look after people from birth to death and we deal in the area of behavioral alteration. <laughs> She went, wow! And it was so loud, her wow, loads of people turned around and looked at us. She says, what's it called? I said, it's called the church. <laughs> okay, Craig. <laughs> it's called the church. <laughs> Especially with that Aussie accent. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I love everything that he said there, except the whole behavioral modification part. You know, it, it's, we're in the grace <laughs> business. We're not here to, to fix your bad behavior. God does that with the grace. But uh, anyway, aside from that, I just love the way that he reframes the ministry and what it is that we do and the caring for each other and uh, the spreading of the gospel and everything else is it's good stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, he does it in a way that's that's also delightful there. Well, well, look nice. at what we do here with the LCMS and our, and our RSOs, Registered Service Organizations. Uh, we do exactly what he's just talking about. Yeah, sure. I mean, you've got uh, organizations like Lutheran Church Charities out of uh, Illinois. They, they're a dollar-in, dollar-out organization. They have one fundraiser all year to pay for the staff, and then every dollar that you give, and they do a lot of disaster relief and oh, yeah. stuff well, like they, that. They've just you know, been up in Wisconsin. 100% of everything that you give beyond that fundraiser goes to exactly what it's for. They don't take any overhead. Amazing. There there are, I don't know of any nonprofits that are like that. That's just mind-boggling to me. It really is. And, I mean, they do everything from, as you pointed out, they do disaster relief work. Uh, they have this wonderful comfort dog program. Right, the comfort dogs, yeah. They it's become just a terrific very famous. Yeah. Uh, Lutheran uh, Family and Child Services. That provides everything from uh, care of young children to uh, to uh, psychiatric care. 
Uh, we've got orphanages. We've got there, there's hospitals. You know, there's all sorts of things that we do. And it, really, if you look at at many of the different churches, uh, not just our denomination, but this is really what we do. And this is what the what Pastor John was just saying. It, we take care of people from birth to death. Yeah, yeah, and and that's really our our calling to do that. Um, on my church's front sign right now, it says, "God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does," and uh-huh. and that's the Christian attitude that uh, our good works, you know, God God has enough good works; He doesn't need ours <laughs> also, and also our good works don't count for anything before Him. You know, uh, uh, our works are as filthy rags, and and Saint Paul says that he counts it all as scubala, which is politely uh, translated as rubbish. But um, if you know your Greek, you'll you'll get a giggle out of that word. But um, you know this this is what we do. We are uh, Ephesians two eight nine and ten. We are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. You know it's it's none of our work, lest we become braggarts. And then verse ten goes on to say that we are saved to do works that God has prepared beforehand for us to do, and and so. It's like Norman Nagel used to always say, how humble the tool when praised for the work of the master. And uh, we are nothing but a tool in the hand of the master. And and that's how, how it works with that. Well, I know that uh, a lot of uh, Catholics, especially when Luther was uh, was around uh, setting up the, the, the by faith, by grace, the argument was, was made that, well, gee, if this is the case, then people won't do any good works. Well... No, 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 because God changes our hearts. Yeah. He gives us compassion for our neighbor. He gives us love for one another. You know, it's amazing that the church from the earliest of days, Jeff Gibbs, Dr. Gibbs at uh, Concordia St. Louis taught me this one. Um, From the early days of the church, the church stressed taking care of orphans. This isn't a day and an age and and, and a mentality 2,000 years ago. Where if you had an orphan baby, you just put it on the side of the road. If someone picks it up, great. If it dies, well, you know, life stinks. There you go. And and But the church said, no, no, no. This is our responsibility to care for the orphans and the widows. You know, their husbands die. They have no means of income. They can't exactly go out and start a carpenter business when they're 60 years old and women. And, uh, you know, so the church actually provided for the orphans and the widows because we love our neighbor not because we have to do this or god's going to be angry with us it is it is and it's truly one of the miracles i think of of the faith is how it does indeed change our our attitudes and how it changes our outlook in life uh i was just thinking you know when my hour finally comes what do I want to do with my last breath? I want to laugh. <laughs> yes. Yeah, go out laughing. That's uh I I've often thought about um writing a eulogy for myself to be read at the uh mm-hmm. at the funeral which would basically say I'm in heaven and you're stuck here stinks being you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Okay, there. Now we're talking about humor. I like that. <laughs> oh gosh, I hadn't thought of that, but you know, it's absolutely right. <laughs> you know, one of the problems with humor is that oftentimes it's done at the expense of another, mm. and uh, you know, even great comedy teams, Abbott and Costello, and uh, oh, 
Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis. You know, when I was a kid, I thought they were hilarious. Now I find it kind of irritating, but whatever. Um, there's always the straight man and there's always the comic, you know, and there's there's always the guy who who is kind of a victim. You know, Bing Crosby and Bob Hope. Bob Hope was always the victim. Bing Crosby was a rotten friend of those movies. Uh, so it, it, we have to be careful that when we are enjoying and laughing and everything that we aren't putting someone down, that we aren't belittling others, that we aren't doing it in a mean or vicious way. But uh, rather, an uh, irony is fine, you know, and, and that sort of thing. And uh, I think the greatest thing is to be able to laugh at yourself also, to, to be able to call yourself out on stuff and just get a good laugh. It's like, oh, what a moron. You know, you just <laughs> laugh at yourself, you know. I, I think that that's also very important to to be a little self-deprecating in your life. Well, you know, one of the uh, programs we do here at KFUO is called uh, Wrestling with the Basics. Yeah. And, you know, and, Jolly John. Yeah, Jolly John and, and uh, Matt Youngblood. Yep. <laughs> and they're, you know, their promos, I mean, they're, they're hilarious. They are, that's a beautiful way about how they use humor to spread the gospel. You know, John, John is, is uh, just one of the uh, most cheerful people. And I, I think that that's one of the things with, with humor is it, it, it can bring out a lot of cheer and uh set people at ease and uh i i don't know you know when when you have it modeled for you in a way where where people are able to just laugh and and have joy of life and joy of salvation and and even laugh at themselves i think it just it, it lightens the mood in the room and it it actually makes people attracted to what you have to say and and what you're doing and and there is a self depreciation. I think you know we, the, the knowledge that that we really are nothing, and perhaps we shouldn't take ourselves too seriously because God does take us seriously. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think also he he points and laughs at us every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's that other joke? If you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a book out there. Uh, um, Martin Luther is something like God's clown or God's God's court jester. That's what it is. And, uh, you know, it, it's just really, really interesting when, when we stop and think, you know what, sometimes I, I think that I'm the punchline of God's joke, but I'm just happy that someone's laughing. So that, it's okay. And maybe that's part of our role here on, on, on Earth is, is to bring the idea of humor, of joy to other people that, that, that is found through Christianity. Yes. Because, you yes. know, I don't think other other. Faiths have it like that. You know, certainly Islam doesn't. I don't think Judaism does. No, you know, I, I think you see it in the in the Bible, the way that the New Testament is written, uh, the way that the Gospels are written in particular, uh, Matthew, Mark, and John. Um, you get a sense that the disciples, the apostles in particular, they're going through these three years with Jesus in his ministry and they just don't get it. It's like they have these occasional aha moments where Peter, you know, says that he's the son of God or or uh, uh, John 6 with uh, Capernaum and Jesus says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And all these people leave him. And he says, are you going to leave also? And Peter says, you have the words of eternal life. Where can we go? You know, uh, we, we have nowhere to go. But throughout the whole telling of the Gospels, 
the apostles are a bunch of dingbats. They, they see Jesus doing these miracles. They see Jesus doing amazing things, raising people from the dead, and so forth and so on. And they don't get it because the Holy Spirit hasn't come in Pentecost yet. But it's very self-deprecating that these guys would tell on themselves like this. And when you step back and you realize, you know, these guys, they saw so much and they just didn't get it. What a bunch of dummies, you know, you think. Of course, you put yourself in the same shoes, you wouldn't have gotten it either. No. But but it's it's interesting that the the apostles themselves had such a humor about themselves, such a, a lightness about themselves that they would tell on themselves in writing. And here, 2,000 years later, we're still looking at them going, man, you, you got to imagine Jesus was doing a face palm a lot of the time. <laughs> you know, did you not see what I did here? You know, do you still have such little faith? And But that's the way that life is also, yeah. is Jesus does magnificent things, and then the storms of life come up, and we're screaming, help, we're going to die. And, <laughs> and, you know, Jesus says, come on, I got this. I got this. You're safe even in death. I've got you. You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Die? No. Dying without Christ, that's the worst thing that could happen. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, even death itself is swallowed up in Christ. And so relax. Giggle a little. Have some fun. Like I said earlier, life is just too stupid to take serious sometimes. And sometimes we are, <laughs> we ourselves are too stupid to take seriously. Yes. Man, yeah. I, I, I look back on my life and I have done some incredibly stupid things. Oh, yeah. I mean, to the point where I'm wondering, why am I still alive? You know? Not me. I've never done anything stupid. No, no, no. Oh, no, of course no, not. No. <clears throat> <laughs> One of my best friends going back to junior high died about uh, 10 years ago or so, uh, and I preached his funeral, and uh, was sweetheart of a man. Uh, when we were in high school, we drove our cars like stinking idiots oh. we did the most ridiculous moronic things and you know i stood up and here we are in our early 40s at this point and david's there in the casket and i said there's no way that he should have lived this long there's just <laughs> no way and you know and and we did such moronic things and you look back and you're half embarrassed but you half giggle about it because what an idiot, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's about you. It's not that you're, you know, calling other people morons and idiots so much, but, uh, you realize God's grace and you just giggle because the Lord has saved me for a purpose. Yeah. He, he has kept me from myself for a purpose. And, uh, I, what a delightful thing that is to, to know that he has saved me from my own stupidity. It's, that's amazing. That, that's something I firmly believe, that, that we do have a purpose. We're part of God's plan, and he's not going to let us go until we do what it is we're supposed to do. Um, you're talking about your friend, uh, the stupid things that you've done. I mean, I can look back in my life and think of a number of things that could have either thrown me in prison or gotten me killed. Yeah, sure. And... <laughs> and uh, Wow. Well, we, we see this uh, with the um, uh, confirmation of Supreme Court justices uh, like Kavanaugh right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people are dredging up stuff from high school that he may, may or may not have done. 
You know, it, it's I, it's so wonderful to know that God doesn't remember these things anymore for the sake of Christ. You it's know? Funny, you, funny you mentioned that about high school. You know, I, my uh, my high school uh, class just uh, this past weekend had what we called our 70th birthday party. See, we were all class of 66, and we figured that at least by now, two years later, you know, two years beyond that, uh, we're all in our 70s. So. <laughs> Dang, you're old. Yeah, I, dang, I'm old. <laughs> so here I am. I'm standing in line with my wife to get some food. And I look, and standing behind me is a fellow named Barry Wood. It was a good buddy of mine from high school. You know, I hadn't seen the guy in like 50 years. And all of a sudden, everything came rushing back. And there's Barry, who was in the drama club with me. And I turned to him and say, hey, Barry, remember the time we set fire to the stage? <laughs> 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 yeah, if you imagine, I could have burned down the whole stinking school, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway, that's something I hadn't thought about in years. But, you know, I just turned around. There was this guy I hadn't seen in like maybe 50 years. And this, this whole thing came flashing back to me. <laughs> First thing out of my mouth, hey, remember when he burned down when he set fire to the stage? <laughs> Isn't that great when you see old friends and you pick up right where you left off? 40 years ago or something like that. Oh, that's you know, incredible just, when that happens. Awesome. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah, I had a thought it's gone. Oh, I, I know what it was. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about things that make us laugh and a little self-deprecation. Mm -hmm. When I worked with you there at KFUO, one day I ran down to Hardee's to grab a burger for lunch, and I'm in the drive-thru, and I see inside this old guy, and he's wearing this Ramones T-shirt. You know, the Ramones were this uh, punk band from the early days of punk rock. And he's wearing this Ramones T-shirt. And I said, hey, I have that T-shirt. And I'm like, man, that guy's old wearing that. And then it dawned on me, he's about the same age as I am. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man, that's rough. But, uh, yeah, you know, reality, it's funny, too. <laughs> yeah. A few months ago I was in I was doing some shopping at the store and there was this very elderly gentleman. I have to he had to be well into his eighties and he was on one of the uh the these you know, the scooter type things. Uh-huh. And he had a was wearing a mohawk that he had dyed green. Nice. <laughs> I think now that guy's cool. Nice. Yeah, if I ever get one of those, I want to put some flames on the side and stuff. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, my dad did that. My my brother had bought him a, a scooter. My dad, uh, in later years in his life, wasn't able to walk. So my brother bought him this uh, scooter. <laughs> dad removed the governor on the dang thing. Oh. <laughs> kept trying to do wheelies <laughs> on it in his 80s. <laughs> He's a mechanical sort of guy who can figure it out, huh? Oh, gee. Mother was very unhappy about that. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> um, I don't know. You, you know, going back to humor as a pastor yeah. and in the pulpit and that sort of thing, I was amazed back in the days when we were first putting together Pirate Christian Radio. And I, I had asked so many pastors, I had read their sermons online, and what wonderful gospel, and they would send me their, their sermons recorded, and so many pastors of my fellow pastors were just so, just deadpan in everything that they did in their delivery, and, uh, you know, they would almost read their sermons in a, in a torturous way, and, and it frustrated me, because I'm thinking, don't you believe what it is that you're preaching here? 
You know, this is so dry and humorless and there's no joy in it. And and it, you can get in the way by not having any humor in you of people hearing the gospel even. Because if you have passion in you, it's going to come out as joy and it's also going to come out in, in humorous ways. And uh, not that you have to be a funny guy or anything like that. You, you know, there, there are a lot of pastors who also go the other way too far where it's like, okay, my sermon are three jokes, one story, mm. and then a punchline of the gospel at the end or something like that. That's that's also awful, you know, that, that now it's entertainment. But if you can't be whimsical in your presentation of the gospel, I, I think that you're really kind of leaving some people behind. There are people who respond positively and wonderfully to that, but I think you're also losing some people along the way because it it just kind of comes off as very academic and almost boring. And like we said earlier, you know, what what separates us from the animals besides the soul is the humor. You know, it's there, there's another old saying. Gosh, I'm, I'm full of those today. I don't know why. Oh, what's uh, it's either laugh or cry, mm. and yeah, and there is always some kind of humor in a tragic situation. I don't know why that is. Uh, I, I've sometimes it's inappropriate as all get out, but but there's always something to 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 lift. Not to lift, but to turn your, your yourself away from despair. Yeah. And yeah. that's what humor does. You know, and there are times in life where there are just no giggles to be had. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. You know, we just we just rolled past the anniversary of 9-11. Mm. I served at Ground Zero for, for uh, almost two months, and it left me severely depressed. I was on medication for a time afterwards and everything, and nothing was funny for months. You know, uh, you, it just there was no humor left in the world for me for a time yeah and these hard times in life come and it's not a time to try to make everyone giggle <laughs> it's it's not it's not the right opportunity uh i am very inappropriate and i laugh at the wrong times and uh, i wasn't going to mention that but yeah yeah but but you know there there are also these times where and you pointed out um, in the book of uh, is it Lamentations, the that there's a time to laugh, a time to cry. A time Ecclesiastes. To Ecclesiastes. Thank you. Gosh, I knew that that wasn't right when I said that. I'm a pastor, you know. I know <laughs> these things. Gosh, I need to yeah. go back to school. This is bad. Um, <laughs> but you know, the, there are these times where it's 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 not all giggles. Yeah. Um, even on the the God Whispers podcast that Pastor Swirla and I do together, um, you know, we've taken on topics and it's been very serious. And um, very rarely have we done that, but, but we've taken on some serious topics and there hasn't been a whole lot of giggling in that. So, uh, you know, if you're in a place in your life and you're struggling with depression, you're struggling with the loss of a loved one, you're struggling with all sorts of, of tragedy, uh, or just simply struggling with depression because you got a chemical issue and that's just all there is to it, you know, that uh, your your body isn't creating the feel-good stuff that it should. Uh, don't don't kick yourself because you're not having fun and laughing. You know, this is all serious. And, and seek help. Seek help from your pastor. Seek help from medical professionals. Oh, absolutely. Be. 
it's serious and there's no shame in it whatsoever. No, absolutely yeah. not. We've even done a show on that in the past. Yeah. 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 You know, uh, I was just thinking uh, when my mother died, uh, very suddenly, very unexpectedly, uh, well, she was, she was 86, but she had to know my mother. She was a force of nature. I mean, she wasn't going to die until it was in a daytime, or that's how we knew it was sudden, because it wasn't there. But <laughs> my brother and I uh, spoke at a eulogy at her um, at her uh, memorial, and we came up with some stories. And there was as much laughter as there were tears. I love a good Irish wake because of that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's part of the remembering is the good and the bad. You know, yeah, it the, is. It is. The, the funny and, and the and the heartfelt, you know, all at the same time. And again, it's it you know, it's part of life. You know, there's pain, there's pleasure, there's joy, there's sorrow. Yeah. And yeah. God balances it all out for us. He does. And he's good and gracious and merciful and kind and I think he's even kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> Sometimes I don't understand his humor, mind you, but yeah. Well, Craig, we're we're getting here toward the end. We got about a minute left. Uh, you want to ramp up? You any thoughts that you got or things that you want to share? Gosh, I don't know. I I think you know. Find the joy of salvation. Find the comfort and hope of the gospel. Find the place, the church, where the pastor is telling you every week your sins are forgiven for the sake of Jesus Christ. Rejoice rejoice your sins are forgiven your life is safe in his hands your death is safe in his hands you have no fear that uh, you you are not in the lord's grace and mercy here and i think if you find a place like that you're going to find a place of joy a place of comfort and i think a place of humor and uh, i i sure hope that uh, all of you who are listening will have a joyous life what's left and feel free to smile when you come to the lord's table because you're at the feast you're at the feast that has no end uh the feast that goes off into eternity in both directions you're there with all of your loved ones who have gone before you and you're there with all of the saints and so rejoice rejoice and smile have a little fun hallelujah brother yeah You've been listening to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Today's guest pastor was Craig D'Onofrio of St. James Lutheran Church in Cleveland, Ohio. I want to give special thanks to the Reverend Fitz Bowie for letting us use his recording of All Glory, Lawn, and Honor as a theme song for Let's Talk. The pastor's music, Pastor Bowie's music, is available and his books as well on Amazon.com. I'm host Kip Allen wishing you God's blessings. listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.